Welcome to Deep North, the official podcast of Iceland Review. My name is Alina Maurer and today I'm in the studio with Iceland Review editor Eric Pomrenki. In this episode, we are going to talk about the Icelandic Christmas delicacy of Leivabrauð and the man keeping it alive. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, families and friends in Iceland come together to make the traditional fried and decorated wafer known as Leivabrauð or leaf bread. Rolled out thin, decorated and fried, the preparation of these treats is an event that brings together families, often with multiple generations taking part. But you won't find Löwebrösdagur, or leaf bread day, on any official calendar, as each family chooses their own date. Still, for Icelanders, it's as much a part of the holiday season as Christmas itself. But unknown even to many Icelanders, much of this tradition now rests in the hands of one craftsman, the last craftsman in Iceland to make the distinctive roller that so many use to make Löwebrauð. A stone's throw away from Reykjavik, in the shadow of Essia Mountain, his small workshop is keeping a beloved tradition alive. The main thing is this lathe here, Haraldur says as I step into his workshop. Bundles of metal rods sit under the workbench, which is covered with a small mountain of copper shavings. Do you want to see it? Before I can properly answer, the sound of whirring, cutting metal fills the air. Haraldur places a small copper puck into the lathe and makes precise, alternating cuts into it. Nothing automated here, he remarks. Everything in this workshop is still done by hand. One of the reasons why making Löwebrauð rollers is so difficult. Haraldur bought this lathe in 2013 from a couple who'd been trying to sell it for 10 years. It's just too much work. So people getting into the trades don't want to take the time to make these anymore, Haraldur explains as he takes the copper puck off the lathe. It now has a series of biased cuts, which, when joined together with its other half, will form the wheel of the roller. The craft requires a high level of precision, which is what makes the production of the Leuvebreuth roller so time-consuming. The main thing, Haraldur explains, is keeping everything as still as possible. But there's so much movement when you're dealing with this kind of lathe. It can be hard to work with parts this small. It can't move, not even by a millimeter. You get as close as possible, but it's never a hundred percent. The process begins by sawing off a puck from a metal rod, which is then sanded, refined, and bored through. These pucks are then turned and cut on the lathe, fixed to a handle, and given their finishing touches. One roller takes about four hours to make from start to finish. A full workday for Haraldur is completing two. In a normal year, he makes about 200, and he's looking to scale back. I'm about to turn 74, he tells me so I'm not looking for more work. Strangely enough, Haraldur's family never made Leuvebrauð during the holidays when he was growing up. Though making the wafers has spread to become a national Christmas tradition, it originated in North Iceland. When Haraldur was young, Leuvebrauð was still limited to that region. But in one of history's ironies, Haraldur is now one of the last Icelanders who has the tools and skills to make the Löwebrauð roller. 
it's really just me these days. I think there's one guy out on Lonkanas, a remote peninsula in northeast Iceland, who still makes them, but he doesn't have a store and only sells them through his daughter. That's how it was when I started. There were no websites or advertisements, just word of mouth and connections. Reifebreuth never having been a family tradition for Haraldur, I wonder what inspired him to buy such a specialized machine to make rollers. I've never been one for business or paperwork, he tells me. I've always just been a craftsman. I saw that this tradition was starting to die out and thought it was a good chance to make something. As one of the last craftsmen to make this icon of Christmas in Iceland, his coming retirement from the trade raises a question about its future. As it stands, he says, it will simply die out. There's no interest in making these anymore. Haraldur manufactures several different types of rollers. The standard and most popular model is 22 millimeters. A thinner 12 millimeter model is preferred by North Icelanders, who value its ability to cut finer decorations into the Leuvabrøth. Haraldur also makes a wheel for cutting kleinur, traditional twisted donuts. The first mention of Leuvebrøth in a historical source is in a 1736 Icelandic Latin dictionary by Jón Olafsson from Grunnavík. The dictionary itself was never published, existing only in the manuscript AM433 folio, but it has served as an important reference for the Icelandic language in the early 18th century. In this dictionary, Leuvebrøth is identified as the chief delicacy of the Icelanders. It also contains a brief description of its preparation. Kneaded out of wheat flour, rolled out, decorated with images, and then fried in butter. Flatbreads, either baked or fried, are common across many cultures. What distinguishes Leuvebrød from other baked and fried breads is its circular shape, texture, thinness, decorations, and of course, the name. When all of these elements come together in the form of Leuvebrød, then we can begin talking about a uniquely Icelandic tradition. And although the first evidence for Leuvebrød only surfaces in the early 18th century, another Icelandic delicacy, the kleina, a twisted donut, is attested in medieval Danish sources. We cannot know for certain, but it's not impossible that Leuvebrød was brought over with the original Icelandic settlers, who are aware of a simple fact. Fried bread is delicious. Up until the modern era, wheat flour was a rare commodity in Iceland, reserved for the tables of the ruling class and communion wafers. Even after the Second World War, there are accounts of families using flour sacks as sheets and blankets, so intense was the need to waste nothing. Leuvebrød, being made of precious flour, was originally a treat for the ruling class. As prosperity slowly creeped into Iceland around the turn of the 20th century, it became more and more popular among the middle and lower classes as well. One might imagine an upwardly mobile family treating guests to Leuvebrød with their coffee as an attempted display of their farmhouse bourgeois ambitions. Inevitably, as Leuvebrød became more and more popular, cheaper ingredients were used. Where a well-to-do family might treat guests to Leuvebrød made with wheat flour and sugar, the common man's Leuvebrød would have consisted of barley and rye flour.
and where the well-to-do mostly fried their leifebrauch in butter, the rest of the population made do with tallow. During the 19th century, due to its associations with class and prosperity, leifebrauch also became increasingly associated with holidays. Leifebrauchstager became an important part of the social calendar during the Christmas season, with extended families coming together to knead, roll, decorate, and fry the dough. Some sources also mention that residents from different local farms would come together in large communal gatherings, preparing batches of Leuvebreuth numbering well into the hundreds. According to several sources, men took part in the preparations just as much as the women did, which was presumably rare enough to be worth mentioning. Leuvebreuth is also notable as a truly regional tradition, at least originally. Although today many of the smaller Icelandic settlements may seem far-flung, Icelanders were rather well-connected to each other historically. The maritime tradition meant that travel by sea kept the coastal settlements in contact with each other, and the annual meeting of Althinki at Thinkvetlir promoted a cohesive national culture. The Icelandic language and its literary tradition also played a major role in standardizing Icelandic culture from an early date. Due to these centralizing tendencies, Iceland largely lacks distinctive regional cultures, besides some relatively minor accents. Leuvebreuth, however, remained a regional tradition well into the 20th century. These days, Leuvebreuth is about as Icelandic as it gets, though the phenomenon is really only two generations old. To this day, the oldest recipes are from North Iceland, just like the families that have the deepest Leuvebreuth traditions. Children would, and still do, participate as well, often by putting the finishing touches on the Leuvebreuth or pricking them with the tines of a fork, which is done to help them fry more evenly. The decorations range from purely abstract shapes, such as concentric circles or crosses, to simple designs such as rose and snowflake patterns. Other designs are more representational, such as the so-called plow tracks, a series of vertical lines in parallel. Still others are more creative, like the winter sun, a miniature landscape scene in which the sun dips below the horizon. Other possibilities include letters, self-portraits, and more. Traditionally, these decorations were cut using a pocket knife, a tradition to which many families still cleave. The more modern option is, of course, to use a Leuvebreuth roller. Leuvebreuth are traditionally cut by tracing a dinner plate with a knife. Great value was also placed on one's ability to roll out the dough as thin as possible in order to make the most of the flour. One source states that one should be able to read the Bible through the dough. Scraps and cuts that weren't kneaded back together were fried and given to children. These scraps were known as reiflar, poor wretches. The Leuvebreuth roller has been used since at least the turn of the 20th century, and may go further back in time than that. Some of the earliest ones were really coarse, Haraldur tells me. Back in the old days, there were many more workshops out in the countryside capable of producing Leuvebreuth rollers and other small kitchen gadgets. Typically, 
They were made with leftover copper from shipyards turned on foot-powered lathes. The result was generally more functional than aesthetic, unlike the rollers produced by Hadeldur, which are just as much an heirloom as they are a tool. As consumer culture became more and more dominant, people increasingly moved to towns and shopped in stores. And by the 1960s, this native cottage industry began a decline that continues today. There have been attempts to manufacture them abroad, Haruldur says, but the quality has never been satisfactory. Some of the gift stores in Reykjavik used to sell rollers manufactured in China, but they always had to send back large parts of the shipment because the quality just wasn't there. Of course, getting a Leuvebreith roller handmade on the Kjallarnas Peninsula costs a pretty penny, and Haldur's rollers go for five or six times the price of imports. Despite the premium, demand constantly outstrips supply. Haldur's rollers are currently sold on his website and can be bought at several gift shops and home stores throughout the capital region. Though there is still too much demand for him to meet, Haraldur has noticed a change recently. Nobody seems to have any money right now, he remarks. Inflation has put increased pressure on traditional craftsmen like Haraldur, who rely on customers putting quality above price tags. Some of his largest customers, he says, are grandparents buying the rollers for their children and grandchildren. They like the idea of giving a gift that lasts generations especially a tool that brings the whole family together during the holidays. Haraldur also gets a large number of inquiries from North America, mostly from second- and third-generation Icelanders. For them, making Leuvebreuth during the holidays is a way to stay connected with their roots. Indeed, the Leuvebreuth roller may even be more emblematic of the holiday season among these Icelanders, eager as they are for tangible connections to Iceland. Many Icelandic households simply make do with pocket knives when it comes to decorating holiday Leuvebreuth, the matter being more utilitarian than symbolic. But for the second and third generation Icelanders abroad, the roller represents a special connection to Icelandic tradition, nearly as much a part of the holidays as Christmas trees. In spite of the great interest from abroad in these handcrafted rollers, Haraldur doesn't have much interest in expanding his business. I was never into the numbers and paperwork, and I can't really be bothered to figure out international shipping, he chuckles. But after all, I was never a businessman. I've always just been a craftsman. This is a popular Leuvebreuth recipe from Svar Fadar Dalur. You need one kilo of wheat flour, two to three hundred grams of rye flour, one teaspoon baking powder, two teaspoons of salt, one to two tablespoons of sugar, 50 grams of margarine, 7 to 8 deciliters of milk, and 3 to 4 tablespoons of caraway seeds. You begin by heating the milk together with the margarine and the caraway to 80 to 90 degrees Celsius. You mix together the dry ingredients and combine everything. Then knead thoroughly. After that, you flatten out and cut the Leuvebreuth. Fry in tallow or vegetable shortening, and the cakes are pressed level while still piping hot. The recipe is from Hatgerde Gisladottir's Icelandic Food Customs. Food runs deep. In that classic passage from Proust's In Search of Lost Time, it is a madeleine, a humble tea cake 
that sends the narrator into a rapturous series of remembrances that form the core of the narrative. In thinking about his writing, Proust drew a distinction between what he called voluntary and involuntary memory. Voluntary memory had to do with the waking, rational mind, and was the faculty we used when we pursue goals and recall information. Involuntary memory, on the other hand, was something that had a direct connection to the actual experience of the past. Circumventing the rational mind and going straight to the source, involuntary memory had to do with the bodily senses, such as smell, taste, and touch. We all have our private Madeleine moments, the things that, when encountered, send us far away from our everyday adult lives and transform us momentarily into children again. Be it the mingled scent of mothballs and mint gum, the feel of a turning page, or the taste of a favorite holiday delicacy. It's no wonder that holiday foods like Leuvebreuth hold such a dear place in the hearts of Icelanders and their descendants. Far more than a mere side dish to a holiday plate heaped with smoked lamb, red cabbage, and green peas, the communal production of Leuvebreuth is a ritual that creates lifelong memories. Flowered countertops, snowflakes, and a heavy smell that fills the house. To this day, one of my favorite pictures from childhood is one of me and my sister making Leuvebreuth together. In an oversized, polka-dotted apron, I stare into the camera with childish surprise, roller in hand. My sister, next to me, holds a freshly rolled Leuvebreuth up in the air, grinning toothily. It's not clear what will happen with the production of Leuvebreuth rollers when Haraldur goes into retirement. Built to last, the rollers that he's made so far will certainly be around for a generation or two. An enterprising young craftsperson may see the hole and jump to fill it, or Icelanders may vote with their wallets and adopt imported rollers into their Christmas traditions. Alternatively, the nation may simply revert to how Leuvebreuth was made long ago, and in many families still is, with a simple pocket knife. One thing is certain, Icelanders will manage somehow. They always do. So it's super interesting that you found one of the last roller makers. Do you call them that? Roller craftsmen? Leuvebreuth roller craftsmen. Yeah, so I, in Icelandic it would be Leuvebreuth jarn, which is a Leuvebreuth iron, literally. But uh, yeah, I guess we would just call it a roller. And yeah, you know, I mean, he mentions this other craftsman out on Lankenes, which is a very remote peninsula in Northeast Iceland. I mean, it's really kind of as far away from things as you can get. Um, and I think that it's like a very, very small operation. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Haraldur is really the only person making these anymore, or at least the only person making these where you can actually buy them from him. How did you find out about him? Uh, well, I mean, my Leuvebreuth rollers are made by Haraldur, um, and it was just kind of vaguely somewhere in the back of my mind that I knew this, but then I kind of looked into it and I was messaging him. And yeah, you know, he he really is the only person making these anymore. And, you know, I mean, like to this day, uh, you might be able to find some secondhand, uh, for instance. Um, but I mean, pretty much anything that's been made in the last 10, 20 years is pretty much made by his hand. Um, so, you know, I think that's interesting that like an entire tradition and something that so many Icelanders feel is so important and so integral to the holiday season 
it's interesting how that is all really resting on one one man and his workshop. How was it then to be with him and see him do his craft when you've, I mean, you said all of your rollers are from him. Was it a little fan <laughs> fan moment in the workshop? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's like a like a fan thing, uh, but um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it is just really interesting seeing how uh, these are made, uh, just seeing all the machines and stuff. Um, you know, like I think like when you first look at the roller, like there's, you know, this very distinctive design when you roll it and it kind of makes the pattern and it's not really clear how you actually go ahead and you make that. So it's just kind of cool to just see it all be made. And, you know, I mean, it's always just interesting to watch a master craftsman at work. Um, this is kind of neither here nor there, um, but it was funny because uh, when we came up in front of his house, uh, Koli uh, and I, uh, our, our photographer, um, you know, like it's a it's a tradition that a lot of homes in Iceland have names, you know, so in addition to like being on like a certain street and, you know, like having a certain street name and a number, like a lot of older houses will actually have a name. Um, and it was just kind of funny because as we like rolled up into this driveway, um, like there's this little sign that just says Skriplaland, uh, which would essentially be like Smurf land or like, just like the, like the place where the Smurfs live. Uh, so we were just kind of joking like, oh, like, like, where are we actually? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Christmas, Christmas village, everything's. <laughs> yeah. Something, something like that. Kind of like a magical elf workshop or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Um, <laughs> So you mentioned in the article that he sells his rollers on a website and also in multiple stores. Mm -hmm. Is it easy to find them if somebody's interested? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we can put the exact link in the show notes if people are interested. Uh, but off the top of my head, there are several home goods stores throughout Reykjavik that do sell his rollers. Um, I believe there's just a store called Kokur, which is just cook. Um, I want to say that Bik the Booth also sells his rollers, but uh, I'll double check that and put in the show notes. Um, also, the National um, the National Heritage Museum, uh, Thiot Minyasap, uh, also sells his rollers in the gift store uh, because you know, like it is a traditional craft. Um, like I also mentioned in the piece, he does get a lot of inquiries about people being able to order them abroad. And he doesn't do that directly, um, but there is a website that ships internationally that does have some of his rollers in stock. And I'm blanking on the name. And again, we can put that into the notes uh, if people want, but they, it, it is possible to order one of his rollers from abroad, but he uh, yeah has very little interest in uh, actually seeing about that. <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's a lot of effort, but, um, so if I have a roller in my hand, how can I distinguish it from just a commercially made one to the one made by Haraldur? Uh, is it like, does it have a specific? Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like they are very simple. Um, I mean, really it's just kind of a quality thing, you know, I mean, like they're made of copper, um, they kind of just last for generations, you know, I mean, I think that. Yeah, uh, like there have maybe kind of been some attempts to sell some in stores here that have been manufactured abroad. And, you know, I mean, of course, like there is like a price issue here, right? I mean, uh, I believe as of right now, his rollers go for something like 
I want to say maybe 22,000 kroner or a little bit more. So, you know, roughly something like 200 USD, 200 euros, somewhere in that ballpark, which, you know, I mean, for a small kitchen gadget is maybe quite a bit for some people, you know, but I mean, something that's kind of integral to a Christmas, that's integral to a Christmas tradition and it will be used for generations. I think a lot of people see the value in that. Um, And, you know, I think that's kind of what you're buying. You know, you're buying something that lasts for generations. Uh, You're not just buying something that kind of just sits in the drawer for a couple of years and then breaks. Um, But, you know, I mean, like they're very, uh, like like they're very understated in their design. They're very simple, you know, uh, like the handle uh, just kind of, you know, there's just this little like pattern on it to kind of increase the grip, I guess. Uh, I think that he makes a couple ones with wood handles, but the kind of standard one is just, you know, kind of plain unadorned copper with like a little like leather strap on it. And um, yeah, you know, it, like it's just very simple, but well-made. Okay. I mean, it's also stated that he ta- I think it takes eight hours to make just two. Yeah. I mean, be- that, that would be like a full work day. Uh, it takes about like four hours to make one. So yeah, I mean, two two rollers is a whole day of work. Exactly. Like, of course, uh, you also need to pay for the time and, and quality. Yeah, exactly. So you've already mentioned in the article that you have grown up with making Leuwebröth during Christmas time. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, um, it is, you know, I mean, it's one of these things that when you're a child, uh, there's all of these Christmas traditions and like that just becomes such a big part of the holiday you kind of can't imagine it without it and uh you know so yeah you know like it's just like a whole process you know like the whole uh, family kitchen kind of just turns into a little factory and everybody has their roles and you know I mean of course like my mom would handle like the frying and everything because that's kind of dangerous for kids but you know like we would make the dough together and then kind of roll it out really thin and my sister and I would you know like like make little designs and patterns and stuff and you know, I think that, uh, like we were pretty proud of the designs when we were small, but I mean, like, like looking back, they're probably kind of rough. <laughs> like I've been looking at a lot of, uh, like Louis recently and writing this and there's just actually some real works of art out there. And, um, yeah, I was definitely making something more primitive when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've also heard that some that are very pretty, they're often hung by the window mm, yeah. north of Iceland. <sighs> They're too pretty to eat. Yep. So, uh, yeah, some are super delicate. But have you always done it with a roller? or Because, I mean, you can do it with a knife or with a roller. So there's these two things. Is it family-specific? Yes, we were a roller family. And uh, in writing this and just kind of talking with some friends and other Icelanders and just people that I know, it, you know, like there is like a, I mean, I'm not going to use the word controversy for this, but like there are some somewhat strong opinions out there about like what's the right way. And there are definitely some families that are just kind of Leuvebreuth roller families. And there are some families that are like knife families and, you know, like they'll be damned before they (laughs) use a roller or vice versa. You know, I mean, of course, at the end of the day, it is also like a practical thing. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe uh all the grandkids are helping out and there's not enough rollers to go around or something so i mean i'm sure some families would be flexible enough to just break out like a couple little uh paring knives or something um but you know like 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 that's also what tradition is right i mean it's doing something 
that not everybody else does. It's having your own special thing. And so, you know, I think it's kind of fun and interesting that like there are some families that, uh, you know, do it the old school way. And there's some families that uh, use the rollers and, you know, it's just, obviously there's not like a right or wrong answer there, but it's just kind of, uh, kind of cool that that's still like a point of debate. <laughs> <laughs> to be decided. Yeah. I mean, it's going to, stay interesting in the future um, when he quits basically and retires from his craft what will happen uh, I mean are there any has he mentioned so there are no relatives or kids or anything that would want to continue so he's really the last one yeah I mean that is kind of the situation right now and it's kind of sad to think about um, you know uh, one does have to be optimistic and it is a very popular tradition. And I mean, I can't imagine, uh, you know, I mean, I think that also maybe a lot of people just don't know. And I think that like, if there were a greater awareness that he actually is the last person making the rollers, I think that, you know, like, like maybe somebody would have kind of stepped forward already or something to kind of <laughs> take on the Leuvebreuth crown as it were. Um, but, you know, like in talking with a lot of Icelanders about this, I mean, like a lot of Icelanders actually don't know uh, that all of the rollers are really just made by one guy and he's about to retire. So, you know, I think there's maybe also like an awareness thing. Um, but, you know, also just very practically, um, his whole workshop, um, these are very specialized machines. It costs a lot of money to buy this kind of machine outright. Uh, like if you buy one of these new lathes uh, or... or if you, if you buy one of these kinds of lathes today, new, it's quite a large initial investment. Um, I forget the exact number, but it was something around like 5 million kroner, like he quoted me, um, which, you know, is a pretty sizable chunk of change. Um, and, you know, for somebody getting started off in the trades, uh, that's maybe not the most obvious way to make your living is by plumping down a huge chunk of change for a machine that makes a very specialized tool for Christmas bread. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that this is a popular enough tradition. So I don't think that we have to be, you know, too concerned about the future. I mean, I'd like to think that uh, where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, when people kind of realize uh, that this is in danger, I mean, I think that yeah, it's only natural that like somebody will step forward and continue. Yeah, so if anybody's crafty and listening and <laughs> is looking for a new job, there is one available. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Not hopefully soon. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, like, like, obviously, Haraldur uh, deserves to enjoy his retirement. So it's I true. think that... Uh, yeah. I mean, could this tradition of making Leuwebröth be a little bit of an equivalent in other cultures? Like you've already mentioned some flatbreads, but is there something specifically Christmas related I was thinking while reading the article? I think maybe it could be, I guess, just baking Christmas cookies. But of course, it's it's different. It's not the same. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, you know, like every, I mean, I guess I don't want to speak too broadly here, but, you know, I mean, of course, most European uh, traditions have some sort of baked good associated with the holidays, and I'm not going to pretend like I know each and every one. But, um, you know, I mean, I think the distinctively Icelandic thing here is, again, like this connection to history and scarcity, and Leuvebreuth is really traditional, and modern Icelanders love it. 
But, you know, I mean, ultimately it comes from a place where people had very little and they're trying to make the most out of what they had. And so, you know, like it was, again, like I said, uh, like a kind of prized skill to be able to roll it out as flat as possible. And, you know, I mean, that's really to kind of just make the dough last a little bit more and then you know flour is really precious so if you can kind of make every cake as thin as possible you can kind of enjoy it a little bit longer and so you know i mean i think like maybe from an outside perspective Leuvebrot is a little bit of a strange christmas tradition because like when we think of christmas we think of sweets we think of you know like everything with cinnamon and rum and raisins in it and like these kind of like fruit bread like like a, like like fruit cake kind of flavors and all of these really traditional things um but you know i mean loivebrød is fried it kind of just fills the whole house with like kind of like heavy fry smoke <laughs> smog <laughs> cloud like it's not um kind of obviously christmasy in that sense um but no yeah i mean certainly the fact that they're decorated you know i mean obviously thinking of like the tradition of decorating like gingerbread men that's pretty popular both in north america and the uk i want to say uh don't quote me on that um but yeah you know i mean people love uh just making these little snowflake patterns and stuff and i mean i think that's 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 pretty common yeah yeah, I think it's also a little bit of a nice um, difference of having something more salty than the usual, mm. just sweet yeah. Christmas cakes and, and cookies and, and all of that stuff and from, from other cultures. Um, so I've actually never made Leverbrød. Are you going to make some this year? <laughs> um, that depends. I my, my, my Christmas plans have actually not been uh, completely solidified yet. I'm actually not sure where I'm going to be spending it. And it is it is quite a process, so you kind of need to be home uh, to make Leuve Um yeah. So the the jury is still out on that one, but I guess I'll travel with my roller just in case. <laughs> <laughs> to be, like, ready. I mean, yeah, you're not going to start frying oil for just three Leuve like eh, You hey, need maybe. to, yeah. Well, I mean, like, you can buy them in stores, um, but I think I'm not alone in kind of thinking that that's cheating a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I cheated. <laughs> no, I bought some recently, and I've just tried them a couple years ago. Didn't really eat a lot, but I bought some, and I was just binge eating Leuvebrot because it was so good. Just the right snack in between. I really, really enjoy it. But I would like to actually maybe um, start doing it this year. Yeah, obviously the holidays are not um, the healthiest time, and it is already a fried bread, but they are very good with just like a little smear of butter on them. Um, yeah, I very, mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a delightful little snack. Very Icelandic thing to do, butter everything up yes. as much as you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you want to uh, maybe try out making Leuvebrød for the first time, you have the recipe. It's not too difficult to make. Um, yes, I mean, as we said, you can also use a knife. You don't need to use a roller, but of course, um, we've mentioned some some places where you could get one if you would want to invest in one of Haraldur's precious crafts. Yeah, and um, also uh, when we write about food, I uh, like like, like there, there's a book that I always really like to uh, point people towards. It is in Icelandic, um, but it's called Islandsk Matarhef or Icelandic Food Customs, and it's just this really, really, really awesome cookbook. Uh, that's just kind of like a compilation of just 
food history and actual recipes and also a certain kind of, um, I mean, I don't want to say folk tales, but you know, like, like the, the author actually did kind of go around and kind of collect recipes from people on farms and actually see what they're cooking and how they cook it. Um, so that's always a really cool resource that I recommend, uh, for people to check out. And yes, it is an Icelandic, but you know, I mean, for the most part, recipes tend to be pretty short and, you know, like what flour, sugar, butter are, are all pretty clear. So it's not, it's not too hard to kind of wade through that. Um, but yeah, uh, Certainly, uh, if anybody wants to give Leivabrei the go this holiday season, uh, the rollers aren't a necessity. You can do the knife, uh, but hopefully the rollers last for quite some time yet. Thank you for reading out your article. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Deep North is the official podcast of Iceland Review, covering community, nature, and culture. If you enjoyed listening, please consider subscribing on our website and following us on social media.